welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you, Chris. Hey, C3 Narara. So good to be here. I'd just like to say, it takes a lot of Christian maturity to be able to write gentleness and self-control. So just give me a bit of time, Chris. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. (laughs) All right. You may be seated, guys. Um, It's a real honour to be asked to come and share with you during this month of celebrating 25 years. That is an extraordinary accomplishment in every sense of the word. And I do want to take a moment and honour your senior pastors, Chris and Ruth Brown Browning, for this extraordinary stand of standing their post for the gospel in this region for 25 years and creating a home where people can encounter the Lord, meet with Jesus and be fruitful. And I have got them an award, each an award, and they have to come and get it. And then we're all going to stand and we're going to pray for them, right? Okay, so Chris and Ruth, I'd like to present you each with the Golden Apple for 25 years of fruitfulness. Amen? (laughs) Okay, stay here, stay here. Church, we're going to stand and we're going to pray for your pastors this morning. You know, let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you for your absolute delight and pleasure in this couple who have stood with obedience and strength to minister the gospel God, to plant and build your church, to care for people, to pastor people. And God, I thank you, Father, for this month of honouring that they would supernaturally and sovereignly feel your hand upon their back, your well done, good and faithful servant. And you know, I've got a word for both of you. Chris, uh, during the service, I noticed your boots And they're not kind of nice city boots. They're like workman's boots. And I just sensed the honour of God, actually, for the stand of the gospel. Um, In sometimes muddy ground, in dirty ground, in sometimes in difficult ground, that you have just had a determination to stand and preach the gospel in season, out of season. You have stood and you have preached the gospel. It's very exciting. And I can see those same shoes of the gospel, workman's boots, boots that won't move, boots that have grip being multiplied amongst the young men of this congregation. So thank you, Jesus, for that. And Ruth, I had a vision for you this morning as we were praying. And it's actually for the church as well. I saw this incredible tent like a tent of meeting, like imagine the greatest showman, big, circular kind of circus tent. 
And I just saw absolute determination in your heart to create a tent, a meeting place for the Lord where the sons and daughters of God would rejoice. And I saw a tent in the midst of a very windy environment with winds blowing all around and crazy circumstances outside the tent. But in the tent, there was rejoicing. There was singing. There's tambourines. (laughs) There's bells. There's like celebration inside this tent though the climate around is windy and I saw you with an absolute determination like climbing up on the roof in the midst of the winds and like mending sections of the roof and just getting all around this tent making sure that it provided a place of protection so the sons and daughters can rejoice in the Lord our God. So God I thank you Father for this couple. Bless them. For the next 25 years in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. Great. Well, big greetings from my husband as well and my boys. He was really tossing up coming with me this morning just to honour your pastors, but he felt he had to stand his post at our church in the city. So a big congratulations from him as well. I am a poet, as Chris said, and I do like to communicate creatively. So I have actually composed a poem for this church on 25 years, and it's a poem titled, Meet Me Under the Apple Tree. Okay, and you'll notice there's a few themes flowing through this poem. We've got the apple tree theme and also picking up on the fact that this church is built on top of a well and the significance of that. So here we go. Meet me under the apple tree, well of life within. Meet me under the apple tree, our grace and glory king. For hidden deep beneath this ground are springs of life, a sacred sound. Springs of life that the lost would see, this king who came on bended knee. A God who yielded his life to earth to create living water here in the dirt. To summon a people sweet and strong. To open the well. To sing his song. To worship under the apple tree. Fruit for a king. Heaven's decree. Bringing water to quench a people gone dry. Life to a region. Heaven's supply. So sing, O church, that the well would flow, hands up in praise that all would know that Christ is King, life found in him, his word proclaimed, announce his reign, for springs of life run fierce and strong. Springs of life, our sacred song. So worship under this apple tree, its fruit contains your future's seed. Ah, there you go. (laughs) So fun. I've been having fun creating a way. Word of God's awesome, isn't it? Like it must be given expression in the most creative and beautiful way possible. It's so powerful, so good. So the message that I want to bring this morning... Uh, It's for the church, but it's for us as individuals. 
Because for these springs of life to run fierce and strong in the church, but also to spill over throughout this region, it's so important that the well of life within our own hearts is well. And that the well in our own hearts is alive, that it's healthy, that it's strong, and that it's well. So my message this morning is titled, How Well Is Your Well? (laughs) There we go. There's some pictures up there, a lot of different wells. How's your well this morning? Is it flowing like the waterfall? Is it like empty and dry like the crazy, beautiful Indian stairwell? Is it in the desert? Is it flourishing? How well is your well? You know, it's interesting that wells in kind of the old days were either for families, for communities, or for whole cities. There was wells that would nourish whole cities. And I really believe that the Lord really encourages us in our surrender to him. I have a sense that the more we surrender, the larger the well of life in our own heart to nourish others. The size of our surrender seems to determine the size of our well and what we have to give. And that's something to think about this morning. How big is your well? How big is your surrender? Maybe that's an area where the Lord would challenge you. Water's important. It's necessary for life. It's absolutely crucial for ourselves, for cities, for communities. Now, this message was birthed in my own life during a season where I felt like the circumstances of my life were particularly dry. I felt like that desert well out there in the middle of the desert with dusty winds all around me. And I was really crying out to God during a very dry and difficult season. There was hostilities in relationships that were close to my heart. I was not feeling watered or nourished. I felt like I was living, like David once said, in a dry and dusty land where there is no water. That was my life. And I cried out to the Lord, And he led me to an obscure passage of the Old Testament. Well, probably not obscure to this church which reads the whole Bible in a week. You're probably totally across it, but I'm going to test you. Because I go to churches and I, I mention this passage and no one's heard of it. So let's see how you go. He led me to a particular passage and to a woman by the name of Axor. Does anyone know who she is? Scanning, hands up if you know Axor. Yes, this is what happens everywhere I go. It's such a good message. No one knows about this amazing woman. All right. So she is amazing. And this is what the story that the Lord led me to and ministered to me out of. And I believe it's an exhortation to the church, actually, in the age that we live in. Axor was Caleb's daughter. You know Caleb, one of the mighty men that took the promised land, mighty warrior. He had a daughter called Caleb. And there was a point in the book of Judges, right in the beginning of the book of Judges, where he was sending the men out to battle. And he promised one of the men that if he was to win the battle, that he would give him the hand of his daughter. Some of you are nodding. I hope so, Chris and Ruth. You have taught Old Testament for goodness sake. Um, (laughs) 
Okay, so just in case you're doubting me, we better go to the actual Bible and read it. So we're going to Judges 1, chapter 12. Okay, here we go. And Caleb said, The one who attacks Kiriath Sefer and captures it, I will even give him my daughter Axor for a wife. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, captured it. So that's weird. Okay, so he gave him his daughter Axor for a wife. Then it came about when she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. Then she alighted from her donkey and Caleb said to her, what do you want? And she said to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of Negev, give me the springs of water. So Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Okay, this is an extraordinary passage of scripture. Caleb gave his daughter... And did I just read that that man was his younger brother? I don't think I'd ever noticed that before. That's quite random. We do things differently these days, church. Okay, so, okay, cousins, oh, okay. Um, Okay, okay, okay. So, um, so his daughter asked the father for a field. And he gave her a dry field. He gave her the land of Negev. And I love the foresight, the wisdom and audacity of Axor. She immediately noted that she was given a dry field. She didn't just complain, kind of whinge, go into self-pity, drown herself in the dust and all the various things we do when we notice that our land is dry. She got down off her donkey. The Bible reads she got down off her ass. It actually says that in the Bible. And she asked for a blessing. Okay, she got down off her ass and she asked for a blessing. She could have trotted along and inhabited the land and put up with it. But she got off and she asked for water. She asked for water. And this is a picture of us, church. It's a picture of the modern day church. You see, every one of us exists in the midst of a dry and dusty land. If your land doesn't feel dry and dusty at times, I wonder (laughs) if it might only be a matter of time before the Lord picks you up like the prophet Ezekiel and plants you in a valley of dry bones. You see, the Lord's heart is that his people would bring water, water to dry lands. And what this passage shows us is that Axor recognising that her field was dry. Now, for you, it may be a dry field in your workplace. It may be a dry field in your family with your children. It may be a dry field in ministry. It may be a dry field in your own heart. Instead of neglecting that dry field as something evil and bad, how about you get down off your donkey and you cry out to your father for living water? What if God has you there for the very purpose of irrigating that field? 
What if you are called to be the water bringer in the midst of the dryness? But we never get off our donkey and ask. We never take the time in prayer to cry out to God for living water in our dry fields. I want to read to you from an amazing commentary of this passage from Arthur Ritchie. This is what he says. It does not take us long to discover that our fields are in the land of the south. They're hard to cultivate. They lack lack moisture. This is what he says. All true vocations are hard and trying. The purpose of the existence of the kingdom of heaven upon the earth is to conquest and overthrow the kingdom of evil. That means that all who will serve in the master's service have to fight. Does anyone notice it's not a choice to fight? It's a shocking truth, right? It's like the war's on, we either fight or die. We're all enlisted in service. We have to fight. It often happens that because vocations are found to be very hard, the disciple comes to the conclusion that he thought that what he thought to be his calling is not truly so, that he has made a mistake. <laughs> has anyone been there? <laughs> Just me. Come on, church, you've got to help me. Okay. What then? What then? The undaunted soul betakes itself to prayer, hallelujah. The vocation is hard, almost unendurable. Never mind. Light down from off the ass and pray for a blessing. There is here no thought of surrendering one's calling, of saying, this is too hard a thing for me. Take it away and give me an easier lot in thy service. Now, I just have to that your pastor is not allowed to preach my own message back to me when I'm having a bad day. (laughs) I want sympathy, all right? Don't preach to me from Axel. I'm kidding. All right, here we go. Caleb's daughter did not ask her father to exchange the arid field for a fruitful and better situated one. Now, that's really interesting. She could have got off the donkey and asked to change the field, but she didn't. Instead, she asked him to give her something besides it. God loves to have us develop our vocations by prayer. We must have a special and particular times of prayer set apart for that purpose, wherein we light down, as it were, from our daily duties and make our petitions to the Most High. What a beautiful thought. The importance of prayer that we would be bringers of water in the fields that the Lord has placed us. And it's interesting that Caleb didn't just give her one spring. The Bible reads that he gave her the upper and the lower springs. I believe this speaks of water that we need, uh, two types of springs that we need in our life. I believe there's the upper springs. That's like when it's all flowing. It's all on. You're in church. The presence of God's flowing. You're having visions. Bethany's worship leading like a champion, bringing down the heavens. You're sensing the presence of God. Or maybe you're in a conference and an encounter and the prophetic words are flowing. Or you just enter a season of favor and blessings coming in, money's coming in, everything's going on. 
I believe they're the upper springs. It's like when it's on from heaven. But if you've ever traveled to the Holy Lands or to lands that are dry, you will notice the amount of wells, of wells that have been built in that land. Because it's not always raining, right? It's not always all on. And so the people have learnt to build wells to store this water. And I believe these wells are like the lower springs. They're the wells that live in us. The wells that are built through our devotional life, through our meditation on the prophetic words that are given, that are cultivated during our time of prayer and our own intimacy with the Lord. They're the lower springs, the wells we build in our own hearts. And it's those wells I want to focus on as we consider how well is our well. Okay. All right. So, excuse me. All right. As we're considering how well is our well, I want us to reflect on the story of the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, because this is really the starting point for developing and establishing a well of water inside our own souls, inside our own hearts. You'll know the story. It's from John chapter 4. Jesus, worn out by the trip, even Jesus got worn out, incredible, right? Sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and the well is deep. So how are you going to get to this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob? who dug this well and drank from it, he and his sons and livestock, and passed it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this well will get thirsty again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. What a beautiful picture. The well in our life begins with an encounter with Jesus Christ. With coming to the Lord, he is the living well. As we drink from him, we never grow thirsty in his presence. He is the living well. It's how our well begins. There's a great writer called Dallas Willard, and he said, Our soul is like a stream of water that gives strength, direction and harmony to every other area of life. When that stream is as it should be, we are constantly refreshed and exuberant in all we do because our soul itself is then profusely rooted in the vastness of God and his kingdom and all else within it is enlivened and directed by that stream. It's a great quote about paying attention to the wellness of our own soul, realizing that this is the source of water 
for all the different areas of our life. We know that the Bible obviously says this from Proverbs 4.23, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. We also know in 1 John we're exhorted that we would prosper and be in health just as our soul prospers. So the health of our heart, our soul, the well within is paramount. So here's five keys to keeping our well well. Point one, the well is established by Jesus. John chapter four, we just read that out. Jesus establishes the well. Point two, the well is watered by a rich devotional life. We know that God's word is like water. It washes us, it cleans us, and it refreshes us. This week, it's like you have had fountains running the entire week in this church. So powerful, so cleansing, so refreshing. But in our own personal lives, we need the same. We need the water constantly flowing, cleansing us, reviving us, refreshing us. King David said, in a dry and dusty land where there is no water, revive me, O Lord, according to your word. The word revives and refreshes us. I love the story of Hagar in the Bible. Well, I sort of love it. I wouldn't have liked to have been Hagar, actually. She was the one that Abraham and Sarah used, the maidservant, to have the baby Ishmael. And then as soon as the son of promise was born, she was cast out into the desert. She thought she was going to die in the desert with her son Ishmael until the Lord opened her eyes and she saw a well. Church, I've got to tell you, if you are in a desert and you feel like you're going to die, you need to ask Jesus to open your eyes to the well in his word for you personally, to what he is saying to you personally. There is hope. There is refreshment, there is strength, and there is truth in this word. She saw a well. Okay, this well is watered by our devotional life. Point three in keeping our well well. We need to regularly unblock the well. Okay, in the old, in the old days, in the wells in Israel, they'd get clogged up with dirt, with rocks, and even dead animals, for goodness sake. Dead animals, they'd get completely clogged up. Wells need attention. They don't just sit there uncared for. They have to be attended to. Our heart gets clogged up. We get clogged up with old animals, works from the past that we're struggling to let go of, things we've prided ourselves from our history that we can't let go of, perhaps a tragedy that's occurred in our past that is heartbreaking, but perhaps Jesus is calling us to let him carry it, to get it out of the well of your soul, to let him carry the pain. Perhaps it's rocks of offence and hurt that are too heavy for you to carry. You want a well that's clean, that's free, that's reviving and refreshing and can revive your family and others. Jesus wants to take the offences. Offences are called offences because it's offensive. It's wrong what people do sometimes. It's not like, oh, you're just offended. Well, it's offensive sometimes what people do. 
but nonetheless, but nonetheless, too heavy for us to carry. We're not the saviour. We didn't take the sins on the cross. Jesus did. Let him take other people's sins as well as your own. Don't carry them, church. Let go of the offences. We need to unblock it daily because dirt gets in day by day. Just the pollution of life, the stuff. It might be a movie you watch that's like polluted your mind, polluted your well. It might be language you've heard. Out on the street in your own home, it's polluted you. You need to come before the Lord. Unblock my well. Okay, point three. We need to sanitise our well. I did do a study on how to keep wells well, by the way. Okay, so we need to sanitise our well. Not only do our wells get blocked, the water gets bitter. It gets polluted and unclean. The Israelites, when they began their journey into the wilderness, they had no water, right? Finally, they're in the middle of this wilderness. It's been arduous and difficult and they get to this pool of water. They're like, hallelujah. And they discover that the pool is bitter. It's normal during difficult times for water to get bitter. What's abnormal and supernatural is for the water to become sweet. So I want to tell you what Moses did. On the instruction of the Lord, he took a stick and he threw it into the water. Commentators write that that stick for us represents the cross. On our journeys in the wilderness where our heart's growing bitter through delay, through disappointment, through the actions of others, it's normal that the waters get bitter. What is abnormal, supernatural and actually what we're called to in Christ is that we would apply the cross in the area where our heart has grown bitter and we would allow the grace of God to come and flood, that we would forgive, that we would pray for our enemies, that we would stay sweet during trial, that our waters would remain sweet. We put the cross in to the water of our well, constantly, the grace of God. We apply the grace, the grace, the grace, the grace, constantly to keep our hearts sweet. Number five, to keep the well well, we have to cover the top of the well. Now, we don't cover it so water doesn't get out because obviously wells are from drawing. You need to draw water from wells. Your well is for yourself, but it's for others. The water needs to be drawn out. But they used to have like little kind of like mesh right kind of guardrail things that stopped too much stuff going in. So we need to learn to guard our hearts. Guard our hearts with the Spirit of God leading us and guiding us to avoid as much as we can the rocks, the dead animals, the gunk that gets in us. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.